The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, July 5th, a holiday edition of the show here. Hope you all had a great 4th of July weekend. And today we're going to preview the NBA Finals a little bit between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. Plus, look at how the end of the Eastern Conference Finals played out. And with the Hawks eliminated, as is our tradition here, we will look at their fantasy season in review and how high we will be drafting some of their top players. All of that and more coming up in just a second. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As we say hello to everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I am joined by Steve. Well, start. My mic, my mic literally, I'm sorry to everyone's ears, my microphone literally just dove off of my desk. That was incredible. Out of the microphone stand, into the fire. Can you hear me okay, Steve? Uh, yeah, I expected that to happen to me and not you. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, again, sorry for the assault on anyone's ears there. Uh, incredible turn of events there. Anyways, Steve, how was your weekend? Was that a metaphor for, for how your, how your weekend went? Yeah. It, uh, your microphone drop was not very loud. So. Oh, good. It was very loud here. I don't think it hurt, shattered anyone's eardrums. I think everybody's okay. Pretty disappointing Saturday night for Atlanta people, but yeah, you know, Milwaukee looked like the better team. Matt, take a second. Get your mic. Get your mic back on the stand. Like, I think we're good now. I think we're good now. I'm just gonna like straight up disclose what happens. You have a little tripod style microphone stand over here that arches over my desk, and over time, the 
mechanism that tightens it because you adjust the bar has gotten a little bit frayed. So I'm currently, this thing is really being triaged currently. It has like a clamp holding it up. I need to get a new one. And uh, yeah, it led to a precarious microphone position, which we hope uh, we hope won't fall again. Well, I like the fact that out of all the minutes that microphone has been on that um, triaged stand, it waited until we were live on the air. Yep. Within the first 30 seconds to just take a dive. Yeah, I appreciate that. We are going to be previewing the NBA Finals a little bit coming up. But first, let's just quickly look at what went down Saturday night, which you mentioned, Steve. The Bucks beat the Hawks 118-107 in Game 6. The Bucks are in the NBA Finals for the first time since 1900, 1974. <laughs> Steve, Trey Young played in this game, as we know. Uh, in the aftermath of it, it's pretty clear that this was more of a case of he wasn't going to sit out again with the season on the line as opposed to him being 100% ready to rock. Now, with that said, he did have his moments. It's not like he was incapable of doing anything. I mean, there was one especially explosive drive to the basket that he finished that stood out. But either he was just rusty or some combo of rusty and injured because he shot four for 17, 14 points, nine assists, five turnovers. It just wasn't... I mean, as a Hawks fan, it is better to have Trey Young than to not have Trey Young, but... You know, just looking at it realistically, they just didn't really have much of a shot with him playing that way. Well, I mean, he was four of seventeen. He was zero for six from downtown. Yeah, he had five turnovers. Yeah. Now he had nine assists. He had fourteen he points, but I mean, clearly he was not there. And I love Trey Young. He had a great season. He had a great playoffs. He's playing hurt through that game. We all know that. So yeah. I can't really say anything bad about him. Thank you. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for making a run through the playoffs that nobody thought was going to happen. Yeah. Thank you for giving us hope, false hope as it was, that uh, the, we may see the Hawks in the finals. Long way to go in his career. So Absolutely. Yeah. Not really. I, I wasn't even really mad uh, when the game was over. I was like, okay, that was a good run. That was fun. Yeah. It was hard to be too mad. And I mean – I'll just say this now. I mean, there were no lead changes. This is via the Associated Press. There were no lead changes in the last three games of this series. The Hawks won game four, led it wire to wire. And then the Bucks led, I believe, every second of the last two games of that series. The Hawks were just trying to take a lead, and they had a shot on a Kevin Hurd three to do so in the third quarter, and then the Bucks just blew it open. And as for Trey Young, the Hawks did win games in these playoffs where he shot badly. They won a game against Philly where I think he shot five for 23. I think the difference was he just wasn't quite able to just relentlessly attack the paint like he was in that Philly game when he was fully healthy where you know even though he's shooting badly he's just he's just opening up the whole defense basically even while shooting badly he just wasn't quite that same threat in this game so the Hawks lose the bright spots in this one were Cam Reddish who we'll talk about more in a minute 21 points and six three-pointers Bogdan Bogdanovich had 20 points as well the low point for the Hawks was unfortunately Kevin Herter who shot two for ten was a team-worst minus 22, Steve, in 29 minutes. And I think no one else in the Hawks was worse than minus 11. And this was one where, you know, plus minus can be deceiving. This was one where I, <laughs> I was like, get Herter off the floor. It just was not his night. And and that's got to be the next progression for him because when he's playing well, he's really good. And we saw that uh, against Philly. You know, he had that 27-point game. But this is not a guy who seems capable of recovering from an 0-5 shooting start, which he had in this game. Kayvon... 
is probably not sleeping well tonight. You know, like he played really, really well. And we sat here last week. I don't know if it was Friday or Wednesday and talked about the defensive sequence that he had and the yeah. offense that he was playing. And yeah, like he was playing at such a high level that we were like, man, we didn't know Kayvon could do this on a regular basis. Like yeah. he was so good. And then all of a sudden he wasn't so good. And <laughs> now I'm just kind of like, mm. like fantasy wise, we talked about 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, 10, 11, 12 for Herder next year. And yeah, that's where we are. The other guy, Clint Capella, was amazing in the regular season. Yeah. He was amazing in the first couple rounds, but I just feel like he's been the invisible man in this Bucks series. And I don't know what happened or what happened to his confidence. Played pretty well in this game, 7 of 13, 14 points, nine boards. But I expected him to be more of a focal point or of a dominator and he just kind of disappeared yeah i'm also thinking seven for 13 i'm I'm thinking of two that he missed close to the rim honestly steve the one at the end of the first half off the nice pass from bogdanovich and i think there was another like lefty layup that he blew in this game i think that was this game and i'm not conflating with another game anyways we'll talk a little more about these hawks guys in a second quickly on the bucks Chris Middleton finishes with 32 points, seven assists. He also had seven turnovers, but it didn't matter. Ultimately, he scored 16 straight for Milwaukee in the third, had 23 points in that quarter, absolutely exploded. And Drew Holiday, 27 points, nine rebounds, nine assists for him. The Hawks cut it to six late, but it wasn't enough. Steve, we're going to talk more about the Bucks as well when we spin this forward to look at the NBA Finals in a second. But first, the Hawks sadly are headed to Cancun. So it is time now for our fantasy postmortem on this team. And we'll start with Trey Young. I think he's a really interesting case in fantasy, Steve. He finished the regular season around 25 points per game, nine and a half assists, a couple of threes, 0.8 steals. But because of turnovers, he's 59th overall on Basketball Monsters 9 category leaderboard. Now, if you take turnovers out of that, he jumps to 24th. Then the other the other piece this we have to put in is his playoff performance. Nearly 29 points per game, nine and a half assists, 1.3 steals, 2.8 threes. Trey was a consensus first round fantasy pick this year. And I feel a little bit like because of his profile, he's going to go close to top 15 again, I think. But should he? Trey and Luca. <laughs> Trey and Luca. I mean, yeah. their guys that should be taken probably between 15 and 20. Yeah. And because and of they're going to be taken yeah. between five and 10. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. And I mean, on the one hand, the volume of, you know, points and assists that you're getting from both guys, that's obviously going to help your team. But yeah, as you said, if you're playing in a nine category league, there are the drawbacks, the turnovers for Trey and the, the free throws for Luca that, yeah, like you said, probably realistically, they should go 15 to 20, but they're going to have to go higher because of their real life profile. Yeah. So, I mean, if you are a huge Trey fan or you're a huge Luca fan and you have the eighth or ninth pick in your draft, you're probably going to take one of them at 10. But the numbers and the smart money says that you wait and let somebody else take them and you, you take a safer option. I mean, it's, it's, it's gonna It's going to be weird because, because they're also both so young. They were in the mm-hmm. same draft. They're going to get better. That's true. Trey's a very healthy option, usually. Like, yep. he, he doesn't miss games for many reasons. I know he's hurt in the playoffs, but 
regular season, you're going to get Trey, you know, an 82 game season, you're going to get him for at least 70, almost for certain. So I'm fine with taking Trey in the first round at the end. Yeah. Because I know he's going to play. I know he's going to get better. He grew a lot with these Hawks uh, this year. So, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I mean, the dream scenario is that you're picking at the end of a, you know, 12th in a 12 team league and somehow Trey falls to you. And then he's technically your second best player. That's probably not going to happen in a lot of leagues, but that would be a dream scenario for Trey or Luca, I think. Well, a dream scenario for me is picking 12th and getting Trey at 12 and Luca at 13 <laughs> or vice versa. There you go. Because I've had a team, I had a team, two teams last year that had Trey and Luca on them. We were going to win championships, Matt, but. COVID shut it down. All right. Well, I took John Collins in the second round of far too many leagues this past year as <laughs> he sacrificed <laughs> offense for this team to get better. And he was serviceable, but not that intriguing. A top 50 fantasy guy with around 17 and a half points per game, seven and a half boards, a block per game, 1.33 pointers. I mean, those are all good numbers, but obviously not a second round return. So with the variable that we don't know if John Collins is going to be back in Atlanta, I mean, assuming that he is Steve, I think right around there, fourth round for me is about where I think you should take Collins because I think I would expect similar things if he's back in Atlanta. And if he gets maxed out by someone else, I do think he is a sec, probably a second round fantasy pick, most likely, because that team is going to pay him to feature him. And when he's featured, he's a 20 and 10 guy with great percentages, blocks and threes. Did you take John Collins in the first round <laughs> last year? Second round. I took him in the second round of, of a number of leagues. I feel like you took him in the first round. You want to think that, but I don't think there's any proof of that anywhere. By the way, I don't know what reminded me of this. Maybe it's your Cam Reddish jersey. Roth has not asked me for my address yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did win that uh, side bet when Trey Young played. Yeah, Trey Young played in that game. I said he would. Roth said he wouldn't, and he has not asked me for my... Wait, I think he did, Steve. I'm looking back at our text thread. I believe he specifically said, uh, "What? Sh- oh, he said, what shirt do you want, Steve? He's playing. I mean, that's akin to asking for your address, I think. Well, I think everybody knows the answer to that question. And the answer is? Right. Michael Porter. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Facundo Campazzo. Because I sent you and you and Ralph a note, and I was like, MPJ jersey coming my way. Uh, anyway... Collins, I think he's a, I think he's a fourth rounder in Atlanta, a second rounder if he gets maxed out somewhere else. I think he's a fourth rounder in Atlanta and a fourth rounder somewhere else. Wow. I encourage you to look back at his stats from the season before when the Hawks were bad and he was featured because they were nasty. And he was basically a first round fantasy guy. That's why, that's why I keep thinking that you're you took him in the first round because you talk that last sentence you said was what you were preaching last year I th- but i think he would then he would be there in the second round you know what i mean so that's where i would get him i mean john collins is a good player man and is john collins going to be back in atlanta like that's the question yeah right yeah what do you think's gonna happen i think he's going to it's so tricky though i want to say he's going to be back in atlanta because the hawks want, seem to want him back and he seems to want to be there but the reality of restricted free agency makes this so strange right because but all it takes is one team to offer him, overpay him on a max deal. And then the Hawks are really in a bad spot where I don't think they should max him out. I think anyone who watched the Hawks is like, this guy's a really good player. He's not a max caliber player. And we saw that when, 
you know, he gets the ball on the wing and, you know, he's it's a closeout situation and he can't usually put it on the floor or he gets it in the post. And, yeah, he can hit that little mid-range turnaround, but that's it, you know? And so he's a really good player, but there's still holes in his game, especially offensively. And, yeah, he's a, he's a really good supporting player. And he's I think they offered him four years, $90 million before the season started. Isn't that what's been reported? Uh, I think that was it. Anyways, I hope they can come to an agreement. I love John Collins, but again, if another team offers him a max deal, I think you have to say, thank you, it's been great. I want to hear you talk about Cam Reddish. <laughs> okay, well, let, I mean, let's, that's, we, that's why I showed up today. Okay, can we quickly get through two other names? DeAndre Hunter. We got to talk about DeAndre Hunter quickly, okay? Okay. He's a really interesting case, I think, in fantasy, because if you are just someone who's looking at his season-long stats... He was 101st overall in nine category leagues playing in 23 games. But if you take away the game where he got injured and the five games after he came back, which were spaced out, those really put a dent in his numbers. And before all of that, so basically before the injury, in his first 17 games of the season, this guy was averaging almost 18 points per game, five and a half boards, a couple of dimes, a steal, half a block, 1.83s with elite percentages, Steve. He was a top 40 guy in nine category fantasy leagues. So... I think Hunter is a guy who could end up being wildly underrated in fantasy drafts and probably a steal in like the maybe 60 range coming off that injury. Wildly underrated. Wildly. I, I, okay. I only think because of the injury and because there will be people who look at only at the season-long numbers. Yeah, I feel like we are in in the era of everybody knowing everything. Like that that is true. There's no steals anymore. There's no sleepers. There's no Hey guys, I know this site. It's, it's called Roto World, mm. and everybody has the same info now. But I feel like DeAndre Hunter is one of those guys that not everybody's going to be aware of him. And I think if you take him in round six or seven, you've probably got a steal. Yeah, and I think he's one of the few guys in this day and age that will fly under the radar. Like. I'm all about it. Like, give me DeAndre Hunter. Let's go. I am with you, Steve. And so quickly, we'll just say Bogdan Bogdanovich got off to a rough start, missed time with an, that avulsion fracture in his knee, ultimately ended the season as a top 50 fantasy guy during the regular season. And I think that's pretty repeatable. I mean, we know this Hawks team is deep, but we also know that Bogdanovich is a likely starter and should be featured for them. Do you have anything to add about Bogdanovich being you know, right there in that top 50 range? No, I'm glad he did not go to Milwaukee. I'm glad he got out of Sacramento. Yep. And I think Bogey Bogdanovich in Atlanta is a guy that you can take with the 45th, 50th pick and just be good to go. Like he, I feel like his career was turned around by this move. Yeah. And, and he's a guy who, like, pay attention to how you're building your roster because he's not a guy with a wildly high fantasy ceiling, but just a very serviceable guy to take at that part of your draft. Very intriguing also. <laughs> All right. Clint Capella was a top 25 guy in fantasy. I'm a little worried about his free throw woes in the playoffs. He shot 37% from the line against the Sixers and Bucks combined, but he was 57 during the regular season. So I'll go with the larger sample size, Steve. Capella is perennially a guy who, you know, kind of is a top 25 guy. You can get him a little bit later. And I think it's probably the same story next year, assuming the Hawks roster looks the same. You know, Jared took Capella in every league he's in. And he got him in the third, fourth, sometimes even fifth round. Yeah. And Capella was awesome. 
in the regular season. He disappeared in the playoffs a little bit, but he did. He's gonna he's gonna go to Cancun. He's gonna chill out, and he had a great year. And yeah. I think these playoffs are going to make him hungrier and make him go after it more than he did. So, yeah, I'm down. I, I like Capella. All right, you wanted to hear about Cam Reddish. Here are my thoughts on Cam Reddish, who had 21 points and six three-pointers, was six for seven in that closeout loss, begging the question, how is Cam Reddish not getting the ball toward the end of that game whilst on that heater? How does a guy who's that hot only attempt seven threes, Steve? That's my lingering question, the one that's going to haunt me. And hit six of them. Yeah, and by the way, this is a guy who... Had an uneven start to the season. I drafted him in literally every fantasy league I was in. Uh, he did have some big games early in the season. You know, and he was getting threes and he was getting steals, but he was struggling to shoot the ball before the Achilles issue. So he was out for four plus months with that. Then he comes back and in four playoff games, he averaged 12.8 points, three and a half boards, one and a half steals, half a block, 2.33 pointers, and shot 53% from the floor in just 23 minutes, including those 21 points in the final game. He looked fantastic. And to me, Steve, his jump shot looked reworked. And I have a theory that Reddish, I can't remember if I said it on this podcast, that Reddish did have an Achilles issue, but after a while, this turned into like jump shot rehab for him, where he was out fixing his jump shot. And maybe I just am saying things I want to believe about Reddish, but man, I will be drafting him in every fantasy league again next year because this guy's upside is absolutely through the roof in fantasy and in real life. And I think it was pretty evident to people watching these last few games for the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, he he could have been the number one pick in his draft. He played incredibly in game six. Serviceable, intriguing, upside. The only problem is when DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish are both healthy, along with Danilo Gallinari, Kayvon Herter, Bogdanovich, like, where do the minutes go? Like, I think they're going to have trouble figuring out all those minutes. Yeah. Unless Johnny Collins is somewhere else, well, you know? Yeah. And I mean, could Kevin Herter be a trade candidate this offseason? I mean, there, there's a lot that could happen for these Hawks to change this roster. I don't think that they're going to, coming off a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, do anything wildly drastic. But yeah, as, if Collins gets a max offer, you know, Hunter maybe is playing the four more. And I think Reddish's talent is going to have him on the floor. I think it's one of those situations where... Yeah, it's a little tricky with minutes, but he doesn't need 35 minutes to be fantasy relevant. He needs 27, you know, and I don't know why I said 27 and not 28 or 26, but you get the point. He he just needs to be on the floor, and, and I think he's going to be, and I think finally we should see the Cam Reddish breakout next season. I'm, I am delusional and confident at the same time. No, I think I think Cam Reddish is, is going to ball out next year. Him and DeAndre Hunter, I think, are your two. Eighth round, ninth round, tenth round sleepers. Well, we were just talking about Hunter in the sixth or the seventh, so you've already dropped him a couple rounds. Yeah, I don't think Hunter's going to go in the sixth. Like, I don't think people are going to take him there. I think he can wait. Yeah. And, and same with Reddish. Nobody's going to take Reddish in the sixth round. Well, Reddish especially, because he put even less great games on tape than Hunter did this year. It depends on, on how hard we and other people hype him pre-fantasy, but... I'm with you. Those are two guys I want to get in every draft. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, let's take a second here to preview the NBA Finals, which starts on Tuesday. The odds for starters via our sportsbook partner, PointsBet. The Suns are minus 182 to win the series. The Bucks are plus 150. As of this taping, Steve, unclear if Giannis will play in game one. I'm kind of assuming he's going to be out. And I guess with that said, can Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and to a lesser extent, Brooke Lopez, do what they did against the Hawks and continue to elevate what they do, Steve, and give the Suns trouble props to Chris Middleton man what a series what a what a guy he he seemed to be the thorn in the Hawks side right like the games that the Bucks won it was Middleton going crazy and yeah. he was awesome again awesome again in this one didn't he just miss a Isaiah Thomas's record for points in a quarter he had 23 right he had 23 in game six yeah I think Isaiah Thomas had 25 and a quarter against the Lakers. But yeah, I mean, Middleton was so good, man. But doesn't this feel like the Suns year? Yes. I mean, it does. It feels like Suns year. Yeah. And Giannis's knee, yes, there's no structural damage. Yes, he's going to be a game time or day before call for all these games, but... You know, if you look at the replay of his knee buckling, the fact that he hasn't been ruled out for the rest of the year is incredible. And Milwaukee doesn't want to hurt it. Like, they don't want yeah. to have a, a bad decision trying to win a championship cost him more. So I don't know. I don't know if Giannis is going to play again or not this year. I kind of feel like he's not. But... Say the Bucks fall into an 0-2 hole against the Suns. Do you throw Giannis out there and be like, all right, let's go? I don't know. But Middleton was awesome. Bobby Portis has been fun. Tucker's defense has been solid. Brooke Lopez, that guy was a thorn in the Hawks' side also. And Drew Holiday was, played really well. Yeah, I mean, the Suns are 12-4 and in these playoffs. They're just a deeper team, I think. You know, when you're talking about Milwaukee – after Middleton and Drew Holiday, assuming Giannis is out, you get into Bobby Portis and P.J. Tucker and Pat Connaughton and Bryn Forbes territory pretty quickly. And some of those guys had their moments, especially Portis. But, I mean, I just think the Suns guys past their stars are just better. And you've got Jay Crowder and Mikel Bridges who, who can hurt you. And Campaign is a really good backup point guard. I think DeAndre Ayton has the size to make life tougher on Brooke Lopez. And then for me, 
Chris Paul is also just playing at a superstar level right now, Steve. Since the start of the Nuggets series in his eight games that he has played, he's almost 25 points per game, nine and a half assists. He's shooting 50% from the field, despite a couple of bad shooting games and despite what he says are partially torn ligaments in his right hand. I just think that Booker and Paul have the firepower to match Middleton and Drew Holiday. And then I think from there, the Suns' other guys are better. So I have Phoenix winning this thing in six games, Steve. I like that. I'm going to go with Phoenix in six also. And you've got Booker and you've got Paul, like two legitimate NBA superstars. You've got DeAndre Ayton, who no matter how often or how much we try to malign him as a fantasy guy, what an incredible playoff run DeAndre Ayton has been on. Mm -hmm. Just awesome. Mikhail Bridges, he's your rock. Like He he does everything. Jay Crowder, very good three-point shooter, very good, kind of a tough guy, kind of your mm-hmm. enforcer campaign, like you said. Cameron Johnson had yeah. some moments in these playoffs. I didn't even mention Cam Johnson. Agreed, yeah. Cam Johnson's been really fun. I just feel like the stars have aligned for Phoenix, and it's been a long time since we've seen them in this place. It has. 93, right? Yeah, first finals. They've never won it. First final since 93. Anywho, any final thoughts for you, Steve, before we go uh, watch Cam Reddish YouTube highlights? I just hope that my guy, Bobby Rathman, our guy, our podcast guy, picks me up on his way to the airport to go to Cancun. <laughs> Takes me with him. We're going to have to try. I would like to go. We're going to have to try to get Bob on the show here once we get into the offseason. You got to bring Bob back. Oh, for sure. He was He was great, man. He was awesome. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts on Spotify, wherever you listen, take a second to rate and review us as well. We are back on Wednesday this week to react to game one of the finals, and then we'll be back on Friday to talk game two. Wanna say thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Steve, thank you to you, sir. I will see you on Wednesday. Bye. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.